Welcome to CTU Speaks, episode five, episode Y. Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight from my Chicago teachers. Thank you all for tuning in. This is Andrea Parker, and I'm a teacher at Robert Fulton, and I'm joined by my handsome co-host. Wow. <laughs> Jim Starles, teacher at King College Prep. And we're glad to be here. So tune in and listen as we educate you all on why we may strike on Thursday, October 17th, 2019. Nice. On today's episode, we're going to hear from a CPS nurse, Dennis Kosuth. He's been working in CPS for a few years, and we're going to hear about some of the issues he's got within the classroom. But before we get to that, I want to uh, talk about a letter that I got from a parent. Um, she's a big supporter of C- CTU, and she's got kids in CPS. And she had a couple questions about what we're striking over and what our concerns are. What does the letter say? Well, it's it's just talking about the fact that she really wants to support CTU and some of her uh, other parent friends. And she's very active up on the north side in parent groups and in education issues up there. But she was confused. It seemed like in the newspaper they kept talking about how we keep changing our demands back and forth and adding this and adding that. And uh, she asked me for some clarity. And I thought maybe okay. it'd be good to put it out there so everybody can hear what some of the real concerns are and what we're really fighting for and how these demands are uh, are in line with what we're trying to do here as teachers in CPS. I think that's good because some people may share the same sentiments as her. So we just want to set the record straight. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things she she had asked about was the salary issue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the salary issue, it's been it's they always put it out there in the newspaper um, talking about how we're going to be making $100,000 a year and all that. Mm-hmm. And that's apparently the average teacher is going to make that. Um, I don't make a hundred grand and I, do I. I don't know. I guess I'm below average. Who knew? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so they use some bogus accounting. They probably need to go back to school, get a good CPS math teacher to explain this to them. But you can't just keep changing the average over time. So the average teacher in CPS works about 11 years. And that's not going to change over the next five years. The average is still going to be at 11 years. It's not going to be anywhere near the 100000 they claim it's going to be. But it sounds good in the newspaper. It makes us sound like we're greedy. And I still don't really get the thing. Like, they're like, oh, here's money. Just take it. And then we don't because we're like, no, we want other things. And they're like, oh, you're just greedy. You want money. Like, how is that? They offered us money. We said no. Exactly. And gre- how, how is that greedy? I don't understand that. The thing on the salary, um, getting back to that, mm-hmm. the money we're really asking for is for the very low wages, the PSRPs. You'll hear later in the episode um, about some nurses in the building and what, how they get paid and the structure they get paid on. Um, they get Some of these nurses in the building get paid as PSRPs. These are basically the support personnel within the building. Two-thirds of the kids of PSRPs qualify for free and reduced lunch under federal um, poverty guidelines, which wow. is embarrassing. These it people is. need ba- some these people some of them need bachelor's degrees. These guys are educated. They're they're not just sitting there in the building doing nothing. These are very important support personnel. And we need to raise their wages. That's where a lot of the wage demand is focused on. Um, we're talking about nurses. Um, it's uh later in the episode, as I said, we're gonna hear from one, but CPS's final offer on this was they said they were going to give a system-wide four more nurses. Four. Like four? Four. Not 400. Not 40. Not, no, not 40. Four. Not 4,000. Not four. four per school. Just not four per school. Four for four. 600 schools. Four. One, two, okay. three, four. Yep. Oh. Count them on one hand. So, yeah, we're looking for social workers in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much trauma going on in our buildings. We hear about the violence around Chicago all the time, and these kids live it. And it's not something that I'm equipped to handle in a classroom. Just because I want to help these kids does not mean I'm professionally trained to do so. Correct. 
And we need people to do that. That's another one of our big demands. And in every school, we need them to do that. In every school, right? We need people that are professionals trained to do this, not me or someone else who really cares about these kids, but is not really trained to do what needs to be done for them. I think the most confusing issue was the affordable housing issue Mm -hmm. um, because it seems like that's way outside the realm of what teachers need to be concerned about what we do. Um, I know in the newspaper it makes it sound like this all of a sudden just popped up like one day we just woke up and like, hey, let's get some affordable housing in here too. Let's see what's up with that. But this was in our original demands back in January. Yeah, when it was about the justice for all students. Exactly. It's been there since the very beginning, but CPS didn't want to deal with it. Then all of a sudden, like a week or two ago, they they throw it out there like, what's this about? Like, they're mm-hmm. surprised. Right. Like, now they might be surprised. They keep only sending lawyers to the meetings, so they may not actually know what we're asking because right. you know, they don't show right. up. Right. Janice nor Lori ever been at a nope. bargaining meeting. Nope. And until, what, this week, nobody from the, the Board of Ed. Mm. And uh, I think it was uh, Duvalier came this week. Uh, which is is great, but he should have been there the whole time. Yeah, day one. I know. I think there was, um, we've got in Chicago right now about 17,000 homeless students. Mm. This is a big issue for them and their families. They're not paying attention to me or you, as great as Ms. Parker is. Mm, and I'm it, great. I, and you are great. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> Although you're below average, you're oh, making 100 grand. That's so, true. You know, that's, you know, that's, you know, but we all are. But they're not listening to us in the classroom if they're worried about where they're going to live that mm-hmm. night. You know, they're not worrying about that. That's not their thing. And I mean, how, there's probably four or five times this many students that are on the edge of losing their home. That's true. That they have to worry about who's paying the bills and all that type of stuff. And an affordable housing issue is an education issue. Um, I was reading in the Sun-Times. Uh, one teacher, I think, said it better than I ever could say it. This is what she said. She said, I refuse to say yes to a deal that benefits me personally when the majority of the South and West Side schools have no library or librarian. Mm. I refuse to sign off on a deal that allows the district to continue disinvesting in neighborhood schools that have lost enrollment through no fault of their own. Mm. I mean, I think that's a great way to put it. It Uh, is. You know, as teachers, we're concerned about the students and, you know, they offer us something, just take the money and run. I, is that, I think that was the quote, wasn't it? Or something like that from, uh, you won. That you was won what I, Yeah, you won already. Mm-hmm. Like, get over it. No, that's not what it's about. They offered us that. We're not, we're not signing off. This is not right. And again, um, the children at schools close. They close because a lot of the housing is becoming increasingly unaffordable in the city of Chicago. And so students are not just leaving the city, but they're leaving the state. And so we're losing enrollment. And because of student-based budgeting, that's how um, principals allot money to the building. And so one reason why I feel like we can't afford nurses, we can't afford proper staffing, is because we don't have... We have student-based budgeting and we don't have students in our school because they cannot afford to live. When they get vouchers to live in somewhere else, they move because they cannot afford to live in the city. Exactly. And, you know, and they might be able to afford it if the city wasn't spending $2.4 billion on -hmm. Lincoln Yards in the 78, giving all this TIF money away. And 53% of this money is supposed to be coming to CPS. That's well over a billion dollars. In addition to the billion dollars that CPS has gotten in, in extra funds from the state this year. Right. So how do they have an extra billion dollars, or they should have over $2 billion, mm-hmm. and they're starting to cut stuff? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. Not at all. And I, I think, you know, most importantly, we need to stand up for students and families. That's what we do as teachers. CP, CTU is one of the loudest voices in Chicago. And if we don't stand up for the kids and for their families, who's going to do that? Who will? Exactly. 
I do see it as an education issue. I see it as, I guess I have a broader conception of what education's about. Mm. It's about educating the whole student. That's right. And their families that's and right. the city. And, and that's what we really need to do. And I'm trying to teach these kids to be um, good citizens within their community. And I've got to do that by example. And this is the way we do it, by standing up for what's right. Because we're bargaining for the common good. Yeah, That's we what are. we're trying to get out there. Exactly. And I'll just read a couple points that we want in writing, mm-hmm. that we want for um, our contract. So we want them to institute a program that financially helps new teachers purchase a home. They used to have that. They used to have a program called Teacher Next Door. Do you remember that, Jim? Oh, yeah. You can be able to, uh, you know, get a home and pay half the cost if you live within the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to help you pay for your closing costs. Yep. That's all gone. It is. So um, that makes sense because you want good teachers to stay in the city. Right. Because even teachers, some teachers cannot afford to stay in the city. A right. lot of teachers are, they can afford to stay in the city because they are married with a spouse that makes a decent amount of money or they have roommates. We also want to ensure the city use TIF funds and revenue from real estate transfer taxes, a corporate head tax, and a millionaire's tax to fund affordable family housing units within the enrollment boundary of our sustainable community schools. We also want fully fund Section 8 voucher programs and expand Airbnb housing rehabilitation to properly house 15,000 homeless students by 2020 and advocate for a city housing policy that creates affordable housing at a rate greater than or equal to the creation of market rate housing and support legislative efforts to enact rent control. What's wrong with that? I I don't see anything wrong with that. That makes sense to me. It makes it. It sounds like the ethical and moral thing to do when you have students. I mean, can you imagine 10 year olds homeless? 12-year-olds, 14-year-olds, homeless. Right. People who, um, kids who want to graduate from gr- um, eighth grade high school, homeless. And you telling me that my school district right. won't do anything to support that? Right. And we're not asking for anything that every other student in Illinois has outside of Chicago. Mm-hmm. These are things every other school district can bargain over except for CPS. This is what students have on, in the suburbs. This is what they have on a daily basis. And they deserve it. So yes, the they kids do. here in Chicago. Mm, I wonder why. I know, right? Mm. One of the things to keep in mind also is the PSRPs, as I mentioned earlier, they're still required to live here within the city limits to keep their job. And this is an issue for them too. If we want quality support staff in our buildings supporting our students, this is what we need to be able to do. Um, one of the things you can also do if you go to uh, the CTU webpage, you can take a look at the schools our students deserve. It's a great look at how everything in in Chicago is being geared towards trying to build up the city and build up our students so that we have access to what's necessary to be a successful community. After all this, like I understand that some people may have issue with this or that that we're saying, but you know, as I'm going through this parents' letter and and through a lot of the other things, there's six or seven things that she mentioned and six out of those seven, she's in support of us. You don't have to agree with a hundred percent of everything we say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many times do you vote for somebody that you agree with a hundred percent of everything they do? You know, when I, I teach my government kids, I tell them, you know, if, if somebody's 80, 85% on my side, that's my guy or my girl. That's who I like. That's true. And so if you don't support a hundred percent of everything, that's okay. You can still come out and support us. So for those who are, who are skeptical, about the housing portion of our contract, just know that teachers, we have the best, in- we have our students' best interests at heart. And you may not understand the why, but we're trying to do our best to explain the why. But just know that we want our, we want the best for our students. That's why we want a nurse in every school. That's why we want them to have psychologists and all these proper wraparound services, because these are just the basics. These are fundamentals that our children deserve. And so housing 
is a basic need. Our children need shelter. They need house. They need to uh, feel and be in a safe environment so they can focus on the academics. As yeah. Jim said earlier, they cannot focus on academics. I don't care how great our lessons are. And they're great. Because I'm sure your lessons are great, Jim. Aww. And they cannot focus on that if they're worried about where they're going to live. Exactly. Um, so just know, uh, parents and any skeptical teachers, that trust me, we have our students' best interest at heart, and that's why we're fighting. Yes, we do. So just like housing is a basic uh, fundamental right, so is health care is a basic fundamental right that our children need to have. And this is why having a nurse in every building is a must. Today, we'll be interviewing Dennis Kosuth, who is a nurse and has a, definitely a passion for our students. Yes, he does. All right, we are here today with Dennis Kosuth. He is a CPS nurse and works in multiple buildings. And we're here to hear some of his story. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Thank you for having me here today. I appreciate uh, people being wanting to hear about this. Yeah, nurses are a very integral part of CPS as well as with our kids. So thank you for being here and telling us your story. So how'd you come to CPS? Well, I've been a nurse since 2007. I graduated from Malcolm X College and uh, I went to work at Sinai for a year. And then I worked at Cook County in the emergency room for about eight years. And then my wife has been a teacher for, for a while. And I have uh, who's my child, who's now 12, is also in CPS. So Working in the hospital, you know, some of the downsides, you're always trying to compete with your coworkers to get Christmas, Thanksgiving off. Right. And so I came over to CPS. I got my certified school nurse uh, while I was still at, at Stroger and then came over to CPS in uh, 16, the fall 16. Well, we're glad to have you. Thank we you. Are. Yeah. So tell us, what is a typical day like? being a nurse in CPS? It's busy. There's mm -hmm. just an amazing amount of work to do. Um, again, this is only my, my fourth year in CPS from relatively new. And, and my first year, I had three schools. And then my second year, I had five schools. My third year, I had six schools. So this time last wow. year, I actually was at between six different schools. And it was quite an adventure. This year, I'm down, down to three, though. So talk to us about the six schools. How did that work? Well... How did that work? That's a that's one way to think about it. <laughs> it, it. It stressed me out for about the work that wasn't done. I mean, mm. when one of the one of the things that I thought coming out of an emergency room is that I would have a lower stress job because as you as you can imagine, Cook County Hospital is a big public hospital. Right. It's a safety net for for the city. We see a lot of stuff there, and I had this idea that oh, working in the schools and work with kids, it's going to be more uh, laid back. These kids aren't as sick, and that was a real a foolish mm. view on my point. Right. You know, because it's actually the children of the people who come to county that mm. are in the schools, right. you know? And so it's the same societal issues. It's the same lack of health care. It's the same uh, issues of poverty, racism, uh, homelessness that we see, that I saw in the ER I, I was seeing in the schools, except more tragically, it was in the bodies of children that were manifesting these problems. But since you had like six schools last year, right. how were you able to service kids from one school to the other? How, I mean, how did that mileage go? How long were you in the building? It was. And the other thing that added to the to the tragedy at the beginning of last year was the fingerprinting fiasco. Because oh, uh, yeah. we all remember last year, they had the background checks. Right. And so right. the way CPS staffs, a lot of the direct care. So these are kids that need G-tube feedings, who are diabetics, who have severe medical needs. They have nurses who come to the schools and service them. And the vast majority of those are through agencies. CPS partners with agencies. The board last year, they paid $26 more million to expand the number of agencies that they use. So these wow. agency nurses come in, but they, they didn't plan ahead to get these agency nurses fingerprinted. Mm -hmm. So we spent the first month last year 
not just at our six schools, but running around all over the city. This diabetic doesn't have a nurse to stay. This student needs a G-tube feeding. You better get over there. We would get emails Sunday night, 9 o'clock, saying, wow. don't go to the regularly scheduled one of your six schools. Go to this other place wow. and give this kid his, uh, his diabetic care. Wow, so some kids you couldn't even service. Absolutely. So one of the things that they look at is we're supposed to, my job as a certified school nurse is really to, to serve students who have IEPs and 504s. These are kids okay. who have uh, special ed needs, but also have medical needs like asthma, right. food allergies. And so part of my job is to educate them. So I had to spend so many minutes per month talking to them about their health. And that was one of the things I really wanted to do as a school nurse when I came out of the ER was I was thinking maybe we can do some more health education, some preventative care, get in front of these kids as issues and talk about setting them up for a lifetime of healthy habits. Um, mm. Unfortunately, though, and that's what we learned in school, too. But unfortunately, when, you, when you're when you given six schools, it's impossible to do that. And so my time to actually spend in front of students uh, this time last year was was actually was in the toilet. It was it was terrible because I was literally not even being able to do that. I was going and servicing kids with diet with real needs, you know, diabetics, G-tube feedings, et cetera, and not able to do those educational mm. things. So. How come they don't just go to their regular primary care physician? Why, why are right. you educating them in all this? I mean, I had a really interesting experience at the beginning of this last year. A, a father brought a student into school and said, my student is urinating blood. Whoa. And I was like, this is not something that I'm able to help you with. You need to get yourself down to a hospital. And he says, I don't have insurance. I, don't, I wasn't <laughs> able to sign up for all kids. And he was worried because he wasn't documented. He didn't have papers. Right. And so he was worried if I signed my kid up for all kids, what would happen? Maybe I could get picked up by ICE. Maybe something could happen. Right. And so fortunately, I was not fortunately, but I was there. So I told him, look, you need to get your butt down at Cook County Hospital. Don't You don't have to give him a proper name. You can tell him your name is SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> you live in a pineapple under the sea. Just right. bring your kid in there and get them some health care. Um, and so that's some of the stuff that we see is that people who don't have proper health care for various reasons. Um, and you can understand why it's happening in the city. When Rahm Emanuel in 2011 cut back on half of the mental right. health care clinics, right. there's a lot of people who, like I said before, just now, are, are afraid to sign up for health care. There's all kinds of reasons that pe- that children don't have health care. And so for a lot of them, seeing the nurse in the school is the, the way that they get their um, some kind of uh, professional eyes on them. And it's 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 unfortunate because I'm at so many schools, it almost becomes difficult to have the time to do that because my responsibilities at the school are to make to evaluate kids who might need IEPs to make sure that their the medicine that they have for their ADHD is working properly and so I'll get they'll know that I'm the teachers will know that I'm at the school on Tuesdays they'll send kids down that have had a rash for several days that have these complaints uh, medical issues and they'll send them down to talk to me on that day and so it, it I, I do it I help them but it also interrupts the other work I'm supposed to be right. doing it sounds like you need an assistant <laughs> uh, well, we need a nurse in every school every day is what right. we need. As, as we know, that's something we've been fighting so for. So on average, how, how many kids would you say you service? So I have caseloads at my schools that are 70, 100, and like 130 at the three different schools like I'm weekly? at. weekly? So these are, most of them are monthly. Most okay. of them are monthly. And so it's that. And then we also get kids, the new kids who come in who have uh, food allergies. So their parents will fill out paperwork. And we have to go through the paperwork and say, okay, are there... St- like, I had a student last year at one of my schools, if you can believe it, it is, totally blew my mind. This kid had diabetes. Um, he was in denial, I think, of diabetes. And there were some issues going out the house. And so this was an eighth grader who was literally giving himself insulin in the bathroom. And he wasn't going to the nurse. The family hadn't notified the nurse. The reason we had found out is because a nurse practitioner was noticing that his numbers were way off. And so she contacted the school and said, 
this someone needs some to help this family wow. figure out what's going on with this child because his his sugar is really high. And if you have diabetes, you're not controlling it. Right. You can set up for a lifetime a lot of pain. You can have uh, kidney function. You can have high blood pressure. You'd be at risk for stroke, heart attack, etc. And so it was. A good thing that I have, you know, that we had a nurse there that was able to conference with this uh, nurse practitioner and get this kid the kind so of. So can you imagine needed. what would have happened? If there was no nurse in the building that day. Who knows? It would have been delayed. It could have been continued being delayed. You know, and that's mm-hmm. and that's the thing is like we need more nurses, more professional eyes because right, as it is right now, as teachers, I'm sure you know, um, the teachers do a lot of the first aid, a lot of the healthcare. Yes, we, do. we have clerks who are giving medicines, very highly EpiPens. controlled stuff, epipens. Adderall, uh, methylphenidate. These are seriously right. controlled medications that you cannot just walk into Walgreens and buy yourself right. these kind of things. But they're sitting in a drawer at a school. That's crazy. Yes, they are. by a clerk, which is yes. is what it is. You know, it's because we don't have enough nurses in the schools that these right. other people are, you know, not forced to do it. But they feel like, I want to help this kid. I'm going to go. I'll go ahead and do and give this kid this medicine every day because I know they need it. It sounds like this is like a tragedy waiting to happen that an, oh. that a, a clerk trying to do the waiting right to thing, happen. Right. Or even a parent. <laughs> coming in trying to right. get this kind of medication and right. they don't know the kid already gave it himself this in the bathroom. Right. One of these kind of things. Right. You can have lots of issues. I mean, the thing is, is this is the common thing in a hospital. You wouldn't walk into a hospital. There are so many steps that you would have to give someone medicine. I, uh, when I worked in hospital, you had to yeah. scan the patient. You had to scan the wristband. You had to get, scan the medicine. And so it was very clear that you're giving to the right person the right medicine. If you are a non-professional in, 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 a, in a school and you have a drawer full of meds, you know, there's certainly mistakes could be happen. It's inevitable. Right. I would think. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm sure that it's, it has happened. God forbid that someone would get hurt, you know, by it. But it's certainly something that I think is another reason to have a nurse, a professional, a licensed professional who's actually dispensing medication in a safe way. So you came from Stroger. Right. Took a, took a pay cut. I did. Yeah. I mean, the pay cut. Yeah, go ahead. You took a pay, <laughs> it's right. okay. you took a pay cut uh, and it's more hectic than you expected. Right. Why, why do you stay? I really love my job, to be honest okay. with you. I love working with children. I love being in schools. I love the thing that I really impressed me when I was in school to become a school nurse is they talked about the role that a nurse can play as far as educating the students. Um, you think about right now, there's an epidemic of STIs happening in this country. Right. More and more young people are having gonorrhea and syphilis. When I worked in the hospital, I would say a quarter of my patients were coming in and getting rocephin wow. and azithromycin for their uh, sexually transmitted diseases. Sure. Why not have nurses in schools provide education? to students about right. things like that so they can come from a professional standpoint and, and be able to resource to talk Preventative to kids. Preventative measures. Absolutely, exactly. 100%. Right. And that's the one reason they know why the numbers of those infections are going up because they've cut back in education. Wow. And so there's right. a direct relationship between cutting back education and people being sicker. It's it's mm-hmm. a no-brainer. I mean, this country, when it comes to health care, is really in the toilet. We spend more on health care than any other country in the world, and we have some of the worst outcomes. We have more women that die from childbirth in this country. That is true. People have shorter and shorter yeah. lives. We have a higher incidence of diseases and it's and we spend more and we get less and wow. it was reflected in our right. students it's reflected in our the families that we that we relate to and that's why we need more health care in this country not less and to me part of that mm-hmm. is bringing more nurses into our schools i don't know if you saw the uh the quote-unquote final offer from cps on nurses right but for the whole city they were going to give us a total of let me count them four. one two three four four, mm-hmm. four nurses not 400 <laughs> four four 
Now, I'm going to guess from that reaction, you do not feel four more nurses for almost 400,000 students is sufficient. It's missing a couple zeros. A couple zeros. (laughs) We need need a lot more resources. And there's resources in the city uh, for that. But I think that we need a nurse in every school every day. Um, I think it's a shame that the board isn't putting more resources towards that because they know that we need nurses. I think they understand that. But I think they need some help getting the political backbone to put the resources where they need to belong. How is it that they have over a billion dollars for Sterling Bay? to build this exactly. uh, monstrosity uh, project. If you are a private business and want to make more business, go ahead. Why do you need public dollars to do that? In my view, we have a need in our schools of students who need health care, mm-hmm. who need uh, to have nurses in the schools. Those resources exist. They should go there belong. So I think the board... The board's offer of 400000 to me is, is almost insulting. I almost they wish they would have said. Almost. 100% was insulting. <laughs> I almost wish they would have said nothing. That would have been yeah. better than right. irritating us for the 400 Come on. Yeah. So this, if you had to be just in one school, tell me what things or services the kids would get. Right. So when I was in school to become a certified school nurse, part of my education was going to suburban schools. A nurse in every school every day is not some Bernie Sanders socialist pipe dream. This isn't Sweden. (laughs) This is happening in Lincolnwood. I went to a school in Lincoln when they had a school nurse, had a whole office. Right. She was part of contacting students who are chronically ill, uh, who are absent, I mean, and finding out what's going on with them. Why is it that they've missed this many days of school? She would follow up with teachers and talk with them about this kid. We know they're on this medicine for the ADHD. I've been talking to their doctor about getting these forms for them mm. to find out if they're helping out with them. Yes. I'm going to run a class this afternoon with the staff of the school about uh, emergencies and about first aid or about EpiPens, for example, we were talking about that. What are the signs and symptoms of a student having an asthma problem that needs to come to me? And so they're able to be part of that school community in a real way. I mean, one of the things that's unfortunate as well about not having the space that we need in the schools is that kids who are sick end up laying down in the clerk's office and it's right. it's like they're like patient zero on some zombie movie sitting there throwing up all over the place coughing sneezing and and, you, and then the next day you wonder why you got four staff out and 40 students out right. well because you have patient zero sitting in the main office with all the traffic <laughs> right. what they need is they have not just a nurse in every school every day but have a space for kids who are ill waiting for the kids to pick the, wait for their parents to pick them up and uh, and be and that's what they had in Lincolnwood again this 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 wasn't uh, Stockholm Sweden uh, this was in Lincolnwood <laughs> Illinois you can walk from there to Chicago. It doesn't make any sense why we don't have them here in Chicago. I agree. So do all your the, the nurses at the school nurse that you talk to, do all of them share the same sentiment? The frustration mm-hmm. is, is through the roof. And the, and the shame is if you look at the numbers, you can see why uh, CPS's efforts really need to be beyond 400,000. Yes. If you look at uh, the numbers of, of, of school nurses we had in, in 2010, we had over 200 certified school nurses. This year, we have 111. So there's been a precipitous drop of the number of certified school nurses, and they mm-hmm. haven't gotten in front of it for whatever reason. And they've just started to now, and I'll give them credit, they've started to pay any HSN, who was a nurse with a bachelor's degree, to become a CSN. Basically, they'll pay for the education, okay. get them the the tools okay. they need to become a certified school nurse. So they finally done that in just in the last two years. Um, but they need to do they need to continue to I think do more to bring more nurses into our system. I agree. So there's different kinds of nurses in schools, and I I think to me a baseline would to be have uh, uh, an LPN in every school every day. And the thing is that's weird is that when a school gets a student who has diabetes or has a G tube, they get a nurse there every day. And it's Mm -hmm. a blessing to that school. It's so kind of convoluted that you have to have a diseased person enter a school, become part (laughs) of the population to bring a nurse with them. And then that nurse can then also be a resource for that school. Mm -hmm. 
at one of my schools, they had a student who was a diabetic. And so they brought the school who from an agency. And I think this underlies one of the issues with agencies. Um, this nurse developed a a medical problem. She started to have this trigeminal uh, neuralgia, which is basically nerve pain. But the agency she worked for did not provide health insurance. Now, again, that wow. gets back to what I was saying earlier the about the, the of lack of, yeah. of health insurance and lack of health care in this country. Whoa. So she had no health care. So she had to quit her job. And the students that she took care of, the diabetic students, literally one of them was a kindergartner, was crying her eyes out the last day that she was there. And it's a shame that, that A, that you have to have somebody with diabetes to be at the school in order to have that resource, and then B, that you have an agency that doesn't even provide the basics of, of, of benefits. Insane. And so that's why CPS needs to have all these nurses uh, hired directly. That way they have access to the proper health care, to a, a living wage, and all the rest of it. That's not right. So I know that you said you want to stay for the kids. Are any of nurse, your nurse um, right. cohorts, are they leaving? That's definitely the case. The last couple of years, like I said, the numbers of nurses have gone down. The CSNs has dropped from... Uh, 208 to 111 this last year. CPS is starting to pull that up. But in the is last... It because they're leaving or because they're, they're leaving. like I had one laying the, them off? The nurse who actually trained me. She, so when I was at school at UIC getting my CSN, I went to this one school and this nurse was my preceptor. She was the one who I hung out with for an entire semester and she would teach me the ropes. The next year I was there, she she left because the the stress of the job right. having so many schools. I mean, the fact is that a nurse a nursing license. If I quit my job at nine o'clock on Monday morning, I would have a job by three o'clock Monday afternoon. Mm-hmm. If you have a nursing license, you can get a job anywhere. I've never been hungry since I've had my nursing license, and that's one thing that's. I need nursing yes, license. Yeah, I'm <laughs> saying Malcolm X. It's really not that expensive, yeah. even. I mean, that's why to me the city needs to put a pipeline in. They they yes. the cities run right. city colleges. Why is it why is it not that any person who is an LPN who wants to get their RN or who wants to progress can't partner why CPS can't partner with city colleges right. let them get their RN help them get through ba- their bachelors they were already paying for the, there's a way to, to get nurses into schools one of the common arguments they say is oh, we can't find enough nurses right. well if you build it they will come yeah. if you have mm. a proper benefits right. and you have a exactly. pipeline you will attract yeah. employees that's the one reason why Stroger always has enough nurses they Stroger Hospital will pay for nurses education 100% and it becomes a magnet for employees who want to work there CPS could do the same thing no, I think you're exactly right. Like you said, if they build it, they'll come. And that's intentionally why CPS isn't building it, so they won't come. Maybe. And so then they can claim, oh, right. no, we don't have right. enough nurses. Right. And it's it's really insane. Like I was uh, reading in uh, the Chicago Reader, Ben Jarofsky had a, an article the other day about this. And I'm just going to give you a quote here. Um, I'm reading it offline, not out of the paper. But, right. Uh, <laughs> said one of the saddest things about the impending Chicago Teachers Union strike is that how the CTU has to force Mayor Lori Lightfoot to hire more social workers, librarians, and nurses. And we have to force somebody to do what's obviously required just on its face. A moral responsibility. It is. It's. I mean, and even if you're like trying to be fiscally responsible, this is the right thing to do. Because it saves these kids having to go to the emergency room Absolutely. and all this that is going to be on the city anyway. Right. Well, the reason that we pay some of the highest healthcare costs in this country collectively is because it's so disorganized. Mm-hmm. Because healthcare is so disorganized. It's privatized. So it's not done centrally. You don't have a central place to keep records. Right. You don't have people have access to doctors. They wait 
for months, I had so many patients when I worked in the ER who would have issues that they would just literally sit on for months. And then some really small problems become humongous problems. Exactly. A pimple on your butt becomes Fournier's gangrene. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to talk on the air about Fournier's gangrene because I don't want to disturb anybody's I meals. I don't want to know what that is. I got so much education today. I feel like looking at a medical dictionary when I leave. <laughs> not with pictures. Don't do it with pictures. <laughs> I don't want that gangrene thing. I know. I and I'm also thinking about later. accountability because if you're a nurse, you got like a over 100 kids on your caseload and something goes wrong. Right. Do you get blamed? I mean, that's one thing that we always worry about. You know, right. I, de- I definitely have coworkers who have kids who have, in high schools in particular, they have students who are under stress. We know that suicide and depression are real issues. I can only imagine if I was a nurse at a high school or had three high schools, for example, and a student came in and talked to me about how they were feeling tired, they didn't have any energy. And let's say that I had a million things going on that day and I wasn't able to give that student the time they needed. I couldn't imagine the stress that nurse wow. would go through if that student did something to try and hurt themselves or, or whatnot. And that's why we need more services in our schools, not just nurses, right. but counselors, social workers. These wraparound services literally can save lives. Can save lives. That's really important uh, thank you so much for coming in today yeah so cps yeah, really, yeah. really i'm sorry no go i was ahead. gonna say it was very informative it was it was i have a greater heart for nurses and i always did but we just we really need nurses, and i hope cps is listening they I better so be too. they better be Lord, listen we're gonna send a, a direct email that's right a direct link to yes <laughs> please do thanks On Monday, we were at the Stand Up for Education Justice Rally. It's a rally with CTU and SEIU 73 that represents the special education workers in the building, a number of other workers in the building, security, um, and also the park district workers. So if we go out on strike on Thursday, it's not just going to be the CPS teachers that are out. It's going to be the park district. It's going to be all of our uh, support staff within the building as well. That's about 35,000 people. That's a lot of people be walking around downtown, not to mention all their family and friends they're going to come out to. That's right. It's going to be a lot of red downtown. A lot of red. Although SEI is in purple, so it'll be a little... A mixture. So anyway, at the rally... Because this is episode Y, we asked people why they were out yesterday, and this is what they said. My name is uh, Marco Camacho. I teach at Whittier Elementary. I'm a special education teacher. The reason why we're marching is for our students. We need more social workers. We need more uh, support. We need nurses because we work in at-risk neighborhoods where our students experience a great deal of trauma and we don't have the resources that we need to help our young people. My name is Ilana Jacobs. I'm a teacher at Prieto School, teach science, ESL, special ed, and I'm here because we need smaller classroom sizes, more social workers, a nurse in every school every day, and our kids need better, and our teachers and our staff need better. My name is Carolyn Brown. I'm a teacher at Kelly High School, and I'm marching because my students and my colleagues deserve better than we have right now, and we want the city to see us and what we're willing to do to get what our schools deserve. My name is Anna. I'm in, um, I go to Kelmer. I'm in fifth grade, 
And why I'm here is because my classroom size is too big and I got 32 kids in my class and it should be 22. My name is Sydney Miller and I work for the Chicago Park District at South Shore Cultural Center. We're fighting for a fair contract. I'm a part-time worker. I have to work two jobs just to make a living. And the fact that I have two jobs with the Park District, I have to fill out dual work forms so that they can know what time I work, where I'm going. They want to be the number one priority. If you want to be that, then I say make me full-time because I'm qualified to work full-time. I'm doing a full-time instructor's work, but I'm not getting that pay. That is so unfair. I was in the military. I served as an officer in the military. And one thing I learned is that if you treat your soldiers well, they will treat you well and, and, and follow you and show so much respect. It's like they're disrespecting us. Treat us the way you want to be respected and the way you want to be treated. It's just like Frederick Douglass said, there can be no progress without struggle. My name's Elizabeth Lawlish. I'm a registered nurse. I work at Strozier Cook County Hospital. Um, and I'm with National Nurses United. Uh, the reason I came out, I feel very strongly about what the teachers and uh, SEIU are fighting for, especially around staffing. I feel the nurse in every school, it's uh, near and dear to my heart because the staffing in our hospital can be so poor that it really creates a situation where there's a real lack of safety and I feel like the students are in a similar situation where they have a nurse for five different schools. The nurse has hundreds of students to take care of. It's impossible to actually be able to do that and to do it in the way that the students and for me, our patients really deserve. So that's why I'm out today. So I'm Jeffrey Howard, Executive Vice President of SEIU Local 73, and I'm here to support the workers of the Chicago Teachers Union, SEIU Local 73, our 7,000 members at the Chicago Public Schools, and our 3,000 members at the Chicago Park District. We take care of the most vulnerable people in this city, our children, many of our adults. We keep our schools safe, clean, we keep our parks open and available to all the citizens of Chicago. I'm here to support these workers today in their contract fight, and we're asking the mayor, take care of these workers that take care of the city of Chicago. Thank you. Hi, my name is Leslie Westerberg, and I'm the librarian over at Nixon Elementary. And the reason I am out here today is because there is a severe shortage of librarians in CPS, because CPS has cut librarians. We're down to about 108 for over 500 schools altogether. I'm Sarah Saig. I'm a retired CPS librarian. I worked at DuSable, which was a school that had a librarian continuously from 1935 until when I had to retire in 2017 because CPS cut my position four times. I don't understand why our children in Chicago can't have their basic needs met in their public schools. Hi, my name is Melissa Rakestraw. And I'm a letter carrier at the post office. I'm a member of the National Association of Letter Carriers. And I'm out here today to show solidarity with CTU because Chicago schools deserve to have nurses and librarians and counselors and all the staff that they need to make sure that the kids of our communities have what they need in Chicago. 
Hello, I am Nina Turner, former state senator in the great state of Ohio. I am a national co-chair for Senator Bernie Sanders' 2020 presidential campaign. I am here standing in the ready position for Senator Bernie Sanders in solidarity with CTU and SEIU 73. It is important that all of our workers who touch the classroom, who touch our children, are paid good wages that the classroom sizes are such that teachers can teach and students can learn and that we leave nobody behind that is in service of our students. So I am here to say loud and proud that Bernie 2020 stands in solidarity with the teachers and SEIU 73 in the great city of Chicago. So I'm Quentin Washington. Um, I'm a music teacher at Sadlowski Elementary School. Uh, 18 year veteran, teacher, and I'm out here marching for the schools our students deserve, smaller class sizes, making sure we have wraparound services for our students so that the students that are experiencing violence and trauma and unfortunate circumstances that are beyond their control have a safe haven to get to so that they can get the supports that they need so that when they come to my room, they can focus and appreciate what's happening and not have to be so concerned about what's gonna happen when they leave the school building. Hi, my name is Stephanie Cirillo and I am the LSC at Kilmer and I am out here to fight for my kids' school. My son has special needs and he has just uh, developed in leaps and bounds in his time at Kilmer and they deserve everything they can get because they're helping the kids every day. I'm State Senator Robert Peters of the 13th District and the reason why I'm marching is for a few things. A, I'm a special ed kid. At the public school I went to as a kid, I had special ed teachers and support, and we need that in our schools today. B, I spent my time in parks when I couldn't go home. Our parks are the jewels of the city, and the workers who make that happen are the jewels of the city. And three, when it comes down to it, I visited 16 schools. I saw 10 police officers in each school, six to 10 police officers, one social worker for two hours on a Wednesday, and that is not safety. We need to flip that number to have real safety. So that's why I'm marching today. My name is Evelyn A. Davis West, and I'm a CPS seeker. And the reason why I'm here standing for all is for fairness and justice and for a fair contract. Lori Lightfoot, get on the right foot. Fair contract now. Everywhere we go. Thank you for listening to our fifth episode. Fifth. Already in our fifth. That's crazy. Episode Y. Why? So don't let this be the only thing that you do. We need you to do more than listen. We want you to tell your friends about our podcast. Both. We want them to tell them why you're listening. So post it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Hashtag CTU Speaks. Hashtag put it in writing. Anything else we should hashtag, Jim? Maybe fair contract now. Now. Right now. Not later, but now. And they can also, uh, if you want to leave a voicemail, you can call us at 
888-467-8888. Tell us what's on your mind. We'll play it on the air and respond to it. Or you can write to us at CTU Speaks at ctulocal1.org. And just like that letter I got from a, a parent this week, we can share your concerns and your issues on the air next time. And never know, you might be our next guest on our podcast. You could be our next guest. Mm. That'd be fun. Very fun. Mm-hmm. And before we go, I just want to thank our new wonderful associate producer, Daniel Kisslinger. Daniel, what up? Thank you. And thanks to Dennis coming in here, telling us what it's like to be a nurse in, what was it, six buildings? What's Three it? buildings this year. Three buildings this year. Six, build, used to six be buildings six. last year. Yep. Cut it, it in half. Still too many. Still too many. And too many. Thank you for tuning in to episode five, the why episode. See you again at episode six.